This guy's new album is unreal. Son of a... He's my friend. I'm so proud of his career, his EPs, all of his albums. I love Big Truck. I love Sawn Logs. I love them all. I love Son of a... There's so many good songs in this guy's catalog already. He's from Kentucky. He's the nephew of John Michael Montgomery, Eddie Montgomery of the famous Montgomery Gentry duo. Rest in peace, my man, Troy Gentry. But Dylan Carmichael has got it going on. His voice is... I don't know. I mean, it's probably the best on country radio right now, in my opinion. Uh, it's just so real and so legit. I love Jamie Johnson's voice, and I compare what Dylan's doing. He's staying real. He's not doing anything but pedal steel. He's got the fiddle in there. He's got country music sounds on every single one of his songs. He's traditional, and I love it. And I love that he's back on the podcast. This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast, Dylan Carmichael, brought to you by our friends and family. The one and only Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, the old number seven, the Gentleman Jack, the single barrel, the flavors, the apple, the honey, the Tennessee fire. It's Jack Daniels. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Thank you, Jack Daniels, for being our title sponsor for the third year of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. We got so much coming up with Jack Daniels at the barbecue. We got so much coming up at Sturgis. I can't wait to be back in Lynchburg. Every single drop of Jack sold in over 165 countries is made right there in lynchburg tennessee again enjoy it responsibly never allow underage drinking in today's episode of this life ain't for everybody podcast it's also brought to you by meat meet your maker i absolutely love the butchering the processing of wild game our steers at american almond beef our pork our lamb our chickens you name it gardening fishing if you want to grind meat if you want to saw meat if you need a dehydrator if you need a mixer to mix in all of your flavors for sausages or your chorizos anything that you want to do or if you want to vacuum seal it in the big labels on meat where you can put exactly what it is when it was killed or when it was butchered and where you got it from and what date so you know exactly how old it is when you go into your freezer it's unbelievable process guys and girls meet meet your maker we truly appreciate the partnership and we take a lot of pride in our butchering and processing this life ain't for everybody podcast today's episode again is brought to you by jack daniels and meet your maker the one and only dylan carmichael i hope you all enjoy this i'm chad belding thank you all for being here i went to eat lunch and uh I was like, oh, man, I got about 30 minutes. I'm going to go over here to this pawn shop and see what they got. And I found this fiddle, uh, this violin. It was real nice. It was, they didn't know what they had. So I started the process of buying it. And uh, you would have thought I was buying a damn gun. Really? Yeah, it took a while, man. But I finally got it. Just the girl didn't know what she was doing. Do you play? No, I don't. Actually, I bought it for Shayla. Shayla Shayla talks about, she jokes about learning to play the violin all the time. In all and, your in all your travels and your career so far, who's the finest you've ever watched live on a fiddle? Did you get to see Charlie do it? Uh, no. Well, that's not true. Yeah, I did see I, I did see Charlie at the Grand Ole Opry. Um, man, fiddle. Do you know the name Nick Hoffman? It sounds familiar, yeah. He played Who's for Chess he played for Chesney for years. He's got his own show on the outdoor channel now called Nick's Wild Ride, but he's a heck really? of a fiddle heck of a fiddle player. 
Really? Yeah. And I'm trying to answer your question. I don't know that I've heard Nick. Um, uh, here's what comes to mind is Brooks and Dunn's fiddle player. Strong. Yeah. Is do they I mean, use a lot of do they use a lot of fiddle on their recorded stuff or is it mainly oh, live? Yeah. If you Did go they, back and listen, man, you'll hear a lot of that fiddle because they, they got that Texas sound. That's red, red dirt. They're the OG red dirt sound. I don't know if there's much fiddle in a lot of Nashville music coming out of Nashville now. Is there? Not really. No. I mean, especially pop country. There's not any. My music has some fiddle in it. Yeah, but your I music's actually, different. I actually have a fiddle over pedal steel in a lot of my new stuff. I want to talk about the new stuff, but first I got to ask you this because it's coming up on the weekend now and you know how big Jack Daniels is to me. You're a Kentucky yep. boy, but you live in Tennessee. You're only yeah. about, you're only about 70 minutes from Lynchburg. You know, they're the, the title sponsor of our, our podcast here at this life ain't for everybody. Um, we talked about it on our podcast earlier. We're talking with Dylan Carmichael again, who is literally one of my favorite. I don't even call him up and coming because he's so legit. He can hold his own with anybody. But do you have you given in a little bit on the Tennessee whiskey, Dylan? And or do you still have to stay with the bourbon? You know what? After after our last podcast, um, I think that I've given in a little bit. Um, the the thing is 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 uh like. I, I don't think Jack Daniels tastes bad. I actually think Jack Daniels tastes really good, but I have to, I have to be a Kentucky boy through and through, you know, like it's just part of my soul and, and I have to fight the urge to want to venture out to other things. <laughs> there are good bourbons. There's no doubt about it on what they call the bourbon trail. Um, I just, I love the taste of Jack Daniels and I understand you have to stay true to the, the Kentucky bourbon game, but I just have a sense that if me and you were around a fire in your backyard in Tennessee, Jack Daniels would suit you just fine. You know what? I have no doubt about that. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I'll drink Jack Daniels. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it's just, a it's a complicated thing, man. It's like, uh, I don't want, it's like, it's like selling out for me. It is. I, I get it. Trust me. I get it because I, I have opportunities. It's, good. it's, it's not a bad, it's a good whiskey. It's a it's great whiskey. Good. It's a great whiskey. Okay. I gotta, I gotta go into this real quick because All right, go for I, it. I, I saw, I saw you back in, in uh, February and March. We were at a Super Bowl party together. We hung, you gave me a record, you signed it. And, I'm not going to get all emotional, but what you signed was really deep to me, like in a way. And I'm, I, I got to ask you, cause you said, thank you for being a great father and a great dad in your insignia on this album. And that's really cool that an artist would take the time to say stuff like that. The album's called son of a, um, the single song of uh, the song is absolutely amazing. But I'm telling you right now, Dylan Carmichael, there ain't a bad cut on this record. Like this is country music. I appreciate that. Um, I, I mean, I'm, and I know you appreciate it. And that's what kind of person you are. And you could tell by how yeah, you signed my album. It's one thing to just say, I appreciate it, but I actually appreciate it, man. Like there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of really uh, tough times. There's a lot of adversity in trying to break as an artist and, you know, uh, the, honestly, the more country your music is, the harder it is to break. And, uh, um, so, so I appreciate it. 
I actually appreciate you saying that, that it's good music. I and I mean, I mean it to where I, the, the, the LP let's talk about that real quick. So the yeah. audience understands, um, there's an EP that comes out, which mm-hmm. is extended play LP means yeah. what long play, long play. Yeah. It actually, it's related to masters. Um, so EP is, is, um, usually five or six songs and LP. It's just a way that the music industry classifies it. Um, the truth is both of them are slowly but surely becoming obsolete because uh, of streaming. Pop. Yeah. Because of streaming. Yeah. Pop music pretty much don't have it. EPs or LPs unless one particular artist wants to do one. Uh, but overall, I mean, but yeah, it has to do with masters. It's a lot. It has a lot to do with like, how many copies and stuff like that, but it'd be a quick Google for anybody that's curious, but yeah, EP usually is five or six songs. LP is usually 10 to 20. So I, I want to, uh, usually if you say 20, you're going to have what they call a double album. You go 14 on this album. Did you have a hard time narrowing it down? Is that the reason for the 14? Cause I mean, 10 would be suffice for a, for a LP album. You yeah. go 14. So what you're doing is you're, you're giving the fans more of what they want, which is awesome. But you're also, you know, you got another record going to come out in a year maybe. And you took four yeah. songs out of that potential record and put them on this. Now I know you're a hell of a writer. You work with hell of great songwriters on your collaborations and your co-writes. Why did you go 14? Uh, well, I think you were right. I think I, it was a hard time narrowing it down, but also another reason for that is not only do I write songs, but I also like to hear outside songs. So I'll cut outside songs, meaning that I'll cut songs that other songwriters wrote that I didn't have a part of because I believe a great song is a great song. And, uh, Red Akins gave me some good advice one time. He said, Hey man, if you look at the biggest country superstars on the face of the planet, they were open to cutting songs that recording songs that they didn't write. And, uh, and so I'm definitely open to that. Um, the chance of me being the biggest superstar on the planet is catching lightning in a bottle. But, uh, but uh, you know, we, I'd like to have a goal that's un- unattainable or, or at least somewhat unattainable because I always have to be working. I always have to be working towards something. I don't honestly, I don't ever want to get there. Cause then what? you know then what but i had a great conversation with and i'm sure he's one of your country music heroes he's one of mine i'm 47 years old and tracy lawrence live uh catalog is one of the finest country music catalogs in my opinion i started going through the songs yesterday and i'm just like oh wow like even the ones that did not become number ones are seriously some of the finest country music ever cut with one of the greatest voices in my opinion but we talked about it's got to go back to you becoming the man in country music. It's got, we got to have somebody like Dylan Carmichael. We, Jamie Johnson to me is one of the all time greatest voices. If not yeah. the greatest voice in country music history, he don't play by the rules. He's not going to, he's probably, he might, I don't even know if Jamie will ever come out with another EP or, or another yeah. LP. Um, but he's got a cult following. He's an unbelievable country singer. 
but this is what you are. Like you are, I'm not going to say our last hope for country music because John party is country as hell. Yeah. Your country as hell. There's some good artists that are in Nashville right now that are sticking to that country base that I love that it's yeah. traditional pedal, steel, fiddle, unbelievable songwriting lyrics that make you like we, we we've talked about it before you come from country music royalty in your family with the, with Montgomery Gentry, yeah. with John Michael Montgomery being part of it, but you're even different than they are. Um, I don't know how to say it to the audience other than this is country music. If you go back and listen to the late eighties and the early nineties of Chesna and Lawrence and Tritt. And I mean, yeah. if you could even go into the early Garth, you Garth, yeah. Garth Brooks, no fences and rodeo and yeah. rope in the moon. These albums, they were unbelievable. Oh yeah. This is you now Dylan Carmichael. So I don't, I, the reason I'm off on a tangent is that I'm your friend, first of all, but I'm a fan and I don't ever want to hear you say that again of catching light in a bottle of you becoming huge in country music or becoming the biggest, like you have to be the face of country music because you are country music and we need country music back. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, don't take that comment as I'm giving up. That's actually the opposite. It's, it's actually saying I need something to work towards. I, I, I believe that, uh, standing out today in, in modern times is working harder than anybody else. And, um, and you don't have to work anymore once you've made it. And, and you see that happen a lot. I don't ever want to give up on, I have more to do. I have more to accomplish. Uh, but at the same time, uh, also, you know, things are, things are complicated. You know, the pop is, is, uh, getting into country more and more every day, but also, uh, the appreciation for the roots of country music is coming back more and more every day. So it's, it's at some point you're going to see, like, I mean, I think it's going to be like dang on two tornadoes hitting each other. Um, and something's going to go one way or the other, but, uh, but man, I, you know, I just love good country music. I fell in love with Merle Haggard was one of my first, um, actually Jamie Johnson was one of my first. I was, uh, I was in high school when Jamie Johnson's very, very, very first record came out. Um, they call me country and, uh, and there was a song on there called, um, leave me alone. There's another one. I, I, my, my parent, my, my mom and stepdad listened to Jamie Johnson. That's how I got onto Jamie Johnson, but they also listened to, and I mean, Haggard and, and Willie and, and Billy Joe Shaver was a big one, Hank Jr. But, uh, when I, I actually was at the time was getting into that, but I was actually into rock. I was listening to a lot of like a nineties rock, heavy rock, like stained and, uh, um, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Oh, uh, I could help you out on that. Yeah. Little Stone Temple Pilots, well, maybe Chris Cornell. Yeah, yeah. The, the, grunge, the, grunge, the grunge scene was happening oh, at that yeah. time. I was big into all that stuff. And Metallica was a, was my biggest. I loved Metallica. I wanted to be James Hatfield. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, that was a whole nother life and a whole nother world. Um but uh, but I really truly eventually fell in, in in love with country music, 
And I'm trying to actually one of the first songs that I ever, cause I come from a music family like Hank Jr. Not like, I mean, my daddy ain't Hank senior, <laughs> you know, but uh, I come from a music uh, family. And so the blues man was always a song. Uh, it's just, you know, it's about the struggles of, uh, of just growing up in a situation that's very abnormal. Um, and, uh, and how loving, you know, still loving music, you know, like, I mean, I had every reason in the world to turn against this business and turn against being a country singer, uh, but I just loved it so much. I went through a whole stage where I was like, I don't want to be famous. I just want to like play music. Um, and then I found out that uh, just playing music in your living room uh, doesn't make you money when you're not good at anything else. <laughs> that makes total sense well, okay i'm good at this i need to probably try and make some money doing it and the thing is is making money doing something you love like music in my i've always said the kind of the, the the thing that that you have to drag along with it is the the famous part you know for me i, I don't give two shits about being famous it's kind of uh, the unfortunate part of, of playing music for a living for me. Like it's, I, I don't like being treated any different than anybody else. I don't like, um, some of that stuff that comes along with, with fame. Cause I saw it in my family early on. I knew it wasn't freaking glitter and glam and, and, uh, rainbows and unicorns. I knew it wasn't. Um, but it's part of, if you want to play music, and make a great living for your family. You kind of have to, you have to be famous a little bit. Do you ever go back to them and get advice? Um, I mean, one of your uncles went through hell with Luz and Troy with yep. his counterpart, your other uncle, his Eddie's brother, John Michael had, you know, some of the, I don't know, arguably the biggest hits in the nineties uh, that, yeah. that, that he was famous, but you just made a comment that makes me think like, obviously there was dark times. There's bad times, no matter how famous you are, you know, like oh, well, yeah. there, there was a rapper that once said, mo money, mo problems. And they ain't lying on that. Yeah. Um, what do you ever go back and, and sit down and, and, and I, I don't want to use the word, take advantage of that situation, but damn it, man, these are your uncles right there. You got them right there at your fingertips to learn this business. Yeah. I remember like, um, people, so, so I have an indirect experience, multiple indirect experiences. And then some, I experienced myself having family that's famous. One was, uh, I remember that people would try and manipulate um, Eddie and John's other family members to try and infiltrate and get like everything from like getting the gate code to their freaking house, you know, to, um, um, like becoming friends with my mom, like my mom is their sister, also a singer, uh, becoming friends, uh, with my mom or my aunt or my cousins or whatever to, so they can get to the family reunion so they can try and tickle Eddie and John's fancy so they can maybe try and get in there. And I don't know what they're trying to get out of them. It's not like they're going to hand them money or whatever, but, uh, people were weird, man. Like, uh, when I was growing up, I remember my cousin experiencing a situation where 
some people were trying to lure, like knew where they lived and was trying to lure him as a little kid, lure him up to their vehicle and stuff. And, uh, people driving by and taking pictures of their house and trying to like sneak pictures of them working in the yard. And, and, um, so I'm a little kid saying this. And then my experience was, uh, when I was in school, I mean, I think I got asked to sign an autograph when I was like six years old. It's like, Hey, my mom's a big fan of your uncles. Can you sign uh, the nephew of John Michael and Eddie Montgomery? I'm like six years old. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so anyway, my point is, uh, and then, and then of course you got like friends that are like, I don't know if they're real friends, uh, pretty much my whole life. I've, I've been like, are these real friends or are they, um, early on it was, or are they trying to get to my, my cousins or Eddie or John or, or, uh, and now, now like as an adult, it's like, are these my real friends because I'm a country singer because I have famous uncles, cause I have a record deal because I know a lot of people. Um, so it's something that really impacts your life forever. Um, when you grow up in that situation. Um, and I think that, uh, I don't think I speak out of turn. I think I can speak for the rest of my family that it's, uh, there, there, it's not all, uh, rainbows and unicorns. It really isn't. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, I'll say this, and I'll say this as a bigger, even a bigger statement that, um, being able to, to go and do something that that's so, so much fun for a living and, uh, we always had a place to go. Like it was, if it wasn't going over to uncle Eddie's and swimming or going to Eddie's steakhouse or uncle John's steakhouse, or, um, you know, they always had good food. And, um, and then their, their mother, my mom's mom, Eddie and John's mom is the best cook ever. Um, we, we gathered for Thanksgiving. So we had the best of both worlds. We did have that family gathering, growing up, but also went to concerts and saw my uncle be my uncles be, you know, superstars, uh, and see them on CMT and hear them on the radio. And, uh, so that was all really cool. But, uh, but it, I didn't know, I didn't realize it when I was younger, but, but the older I get, the more I realize that is not freaking normal. And also neither is what I'm doing now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going down the same path. It's just very enlightening to yourself. It's like, well, this is, this is what I chose. And, uh, uh, at the end of the day, yes, I chose it, but it kind of chose me because I, I'm literally not good at anything else. I mean, if I try to plant a garden, if I touch a tomato plant to some bitch dies, if I try to fix a car, it's going to blow up. You know, if I, uh, if I go try to get a job doing something else, they're not going to hire me. Like I'm just not meant to do anything else, but this. So, uh, I've accepted it and, and I, and I love it. I still love what I do. The stars align for this type of career. You talked about, yep. you know, you're going down the same road. What, what do you see as far as your fan base goes? Are they authentic country music fans that truly are into your style, your look, your music, your voice? Yeah. Um, are they complimenting you in the meet and greet lines of thank you for staying country? Or um, what are what are you hearing out there as you start to see your fan base grow? 
I think it's, I mean, it's definitely some of the things you just listed. Um, but there's a handful, I will say there's a handful of fans that are fans of country music, um, that regardless of who the artist is, they support country music. Uh, and you can tell it, it, it might take a little while for you to pick up on it, but eventually you pick up on it. And I still appreciate that. There's fans of me and then there's fans of country music and all of them come around. Um, a lot of times you'll see some of the, the fans of country music that, you know, you'll see them. Um, a lot of people that go to see them, you know, CMA fest and stuff like that. They love country music though. You'll see them go show up to, uh, other meet and greets and stuff like that. And then there's fans of other, they'll show up to meet and greets for other artists as well. And then there's some fans that are like, man, I've never been to a concert before, but I heard your song and it related to me. And I brought my whole family out here. Can we get an autograph or a photo? Uh, that's cool. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a couple different types, but, uh, I appreciate all of them. I'm looking, I'm reading some notes right now. Um, you played three cities with Brooks and Dunn just now. Yeah. Um, you're the opening act for one of the, arguably the greatest duo in country music history. Yeah. Um, what was, I, I, I got to ask you this first. I feel that Ronnie is one of the finest singers out there as far as pure voice goes. Some yeah. of his songs just rip, rip right through me. Oh yeah. You have a huge voice were you intimidated at all by that or did you step up to the plate and were ready to go just based on the fact that you got invited to do this? So you knew you deserved to be there, man. I don't, I don't think that I'm even in remotely in the same league as Brooks and Dunn or Ronnie Dunn. So I was not intimidated by it. Uh, if I tried to out sing Ronnie Dunn, which I would fail, um, I can't, one night of me playing on stage is not going to hold a candle to their legacy. So it's like, I'm not even intimidated by it. Cause I'm not even in the same league, but they're, um, you know, they're fans. I mean, the, the thing about people that, that show up to concerts and listen to country music or any other genre for that matter, uh, the music industry wants to act like they're stupid and they're not stupid. They, um, they show up and they get that I'm an op that I'm an opener. They get that I'm an up and coming artist. Um, they get that my band is probably up and coming musicians. And, um, they get that I'm not gonna perform or sing as well as Brooks and Dunn or have as many hit songs as them. They get it. So I'm not out there trying to compete with Ronnie Dunn, but, uh, but I will tell you, I was, uh, heavily inspired by Ronnie Dunn particularly um kicks turns out uh after meeting him just what a wonderful guy i mean just such a pleasure to be around and he had nothing but wonderful things to say about our performance and my album which turns out he's listened to several times um kicks is great ronnie's great uh they're you know just a just a class act they deserve every bit of the uh, career that they've gotten a hundred percent. Did you find yourself fanboying at all on the other end of the spectrum? You weren't intimidated, but do you fanboy in a situation like that where you want to get to side stage Man. and watch them a little bit? Actually, I was, 
I was looking, I was standing six feet from Ronnie and kicks and me and my manager were talking about it. He's like, so how do you feel right now? And, uh, man, I just, I, I, I'm just telling you the truth. I wish it wasn't like this. Cause I, I wish that I felt some sort of overwhelming feeling about meeting an artist, but I've yet to meet an artist where I was like overwhelmed by their presence. Um, do you think that has something to do with your upbringing? I really don't know. I mean, I'm a laid back guy in general. Um, but, uh, but it, it could. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and also I think from the time I was really young, I've, I never really looked at people that do that become celebrities as anything different than just a normal human being. But at the same time, they're not normal human beings. There's a reason they're famous. You know, they're, they're abnormally good at something that made them famous. Um, but, uh, but man, I, you know, I just see, um, you know, I just see somebody that has lived an extraordinary life and, uh, and also like, it's just not cool to, to be like a weird fan boy. I mean, I've seen, I've seen it with my, my family and I've experienced it myself. It's just not cool. Like, it's just, it's like, Hey, just relax. Like let's hang. You know, let's, let's hang like normal people hang. Let's, it's not normal to, to go up and, uh, to any human being and, and interrupt them while they're eating dinner, uh, and, and try to like take up several minutes of their time and their food's getting cold and you see it on TMZ. It makes every artist look bad when they have something to say about it, uh, to a fan, but it, I understand why it ticks them off. It's like, come on, just, let's just be cool. Like, let's, yeah, I'll take a picture with you you know, uh, whatever, but there's some times where it kind of gets weird and, uh, it's like, nah, let's not be weird. Yeah. I totally get that. So when you're, when you're on stage at a Brooks and Dunn concert, does it feel any different than any other stage? Like, does it get bigger, the bigger, the audience, the bigger, the stage, the bigger, the (laughs) expectations. I know you've opened for big artists before, um, you're on your way to becoming that big artist. But does it mess with you at all, like the bigger the opportunity at all? Um, I don't get nervous. Um, but uh, the only time I was ever nervous that I remember, like, being really nervous is when I proposed to my fiance. Uh, but I've never walked on stage nervous. Excited? Yes. Pumped up? Yes. And nervous? No. Um, but uh, I will tell you this. Um, the bigger the crowd, there, there, there's a certain point. It's somewhere around 10,000, 15,000 people, depending on how loud they scream. Um, that's wild. When, when, when you're standing here and then you've got like 15 and in San Antonio last Saturday, there was 25,000 and they're, they're facing towards you and you do something on stage that makes them scream and if i didn't have earplugs and like ear like wire or uh ear monitors in muffling the sound it would probably bust my eardrum like it's that loud to have twenty five thousand people scream at you is a noise 
that is unfathomable. Like it run, it runs through your, like runs through you there. There it's wild. Um, but, uh, I, I wish that there was a better visual experience. Uh, you can really only in a, in like an arena standing on stage full of people, you can really only see like maybe 20 rows back because of the lighting because of the lighting. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of unfortunate. I really wanted to see everyone in their seats, but, uh, but, um, unfortunately, uh, but I didn't, I, I did, uh, when Brooks and Dunn came on, cause I went out in the audience. It's crazy, man, that many people, that's like, that shakes the earth a little bit. Like what was it? The Garth Brooks show a few, few weeks ago, like tripped the, uh, the thing that detects earthquakes. <laughs> <laughs> was that was that in Notre Dame? I can't remember where it was at, but the the crowd was so loud that it like triggered a seismograph, a local seismograph, and the people and the, the like the scientists are like running around like, what is that? Oh, that's a Garth Brooks concert. No way! I'm looking that up. Where where was that at? <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I wish I knew. Um, but you can look Bat, it up. See. Bat, Baton Rouge. Louisiana um, State. Hundred thousand plus fans gathered in Tiger Stadium, tripped the seismograph for an earthquake in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. <laughs> That's crazy, dude. He's played in front of a hundred thousand, man. That's nuts. That's crazy loud. <laughs> I know when I was at uh, Tortuga, I think Luke Combs did 50,000. That's crazy. This year or last year? Uh, just a couple months ago. A couple months ago. Yeah. That's and uh, we were out in the crowd. I mean, you just can't, you can't even see all the people from the stage. It's just like three or four football fields long they have five or six rows of big speakers throughout the whole park because the speakers on the front of the stage isn't going to reach everybody i have to ask you one more question about your fan base sure does anybody come up and ask you about about uh she saw in logs and i got wood this thing <laughs> is she does she ever does she do you ever do you get asked about this song about saw in logs because on our last podcast, I talked to you about your mama being Southern, but you said, hey, my mom understands that. She'd come right out and high-five me for that song if I remember correctly. But <laughs> do people request it? Do people say, hey, man, I'm loving this song? It's probably the most requested song I have. Is it really? Because because it didn't make the album. Am I right? It did not make the album. No, I don't of, think it did. No, it did not it make Son of an A, which I was a little bit weirded out by that because I thought – because you included some of the songs – from the EP on the album, like Big Truck, Hot Beer, but that one did not make it. And I was like, man, that song is so clever. Yeah. So clever. I, don't, I can't remember why it didn't make the album, but uh, it, I think because we felt like it, it kind of lived its life. It, it lived on TikTok for a while. Um, but I don't think we realized how much of an impact it made. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not off brand, but it's a little bit different than what i normally do so that's probably why 
But like I said, it's the most requested song I have. And uh, we play it every single night. I think it's so, so good and so clever and, <laughs> and, and you should be proud of it for sure. Where, where, where do you stand on the new album as far as a body of work? You got to be as proud of this album as anything that you've ever done. Obviously it's your first, it's your first LP son of a, uh, the first time I heard that was at a little gig, I think at third and Lindsay or <clears throat> basement. I can't remember exactly the first time I heard you sing son of a live but this is a true body of work, 14 yeah. songs of straight country. What, what are you getting out of it? Is it, is it, is it serving the purpose that you intended when you released it? Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, it's the, well, the goal when making an album for me is, you know, I'm not focused on having hits necessarily or whatever. I'm focused on great songs and, an array of songs that evoke some sort of emotion. Um, that's the best way I know to describe it. And I think, yes, we did that. We have songs that, um, that touch in all different places that'll make you want to party. That'll make you want to smile. That'll make you want to cry. That'll make you want to kick somebody's ass. That'll make, you know, like all the way down the line. Um, my goal on the next record is to figure out how to do that times 30. Uh, and so, it's it's gonna be some tough shoes to fill to to beat this record. It really yeah. is. It <sighs> excuse me. Bless you, my man. It truly is. This is gonna be a very difficult album to match. <laughs> um what is our what is our mutual friend John Party say about that exact thing? Because John has had albums that have had three, four, five number one hits off of them. Yeah. It's gotta become more and more difficult. Um I love his couple of his new tracks that he's on that new uh, uh, Long Neck Way to Go with Midland. Yeah. He's got uh, Not Be Lonely Anymore. Um, I can't remember the exact title of it, but great song that he just put out. Um, I wish I could talk about some of the other stuff I've heard because, oh, good <laughs> God almighty, he's got some stuff. But what what does a guy like he say to you? I, he's a little bit of a mentor. I, I mean, more of a friend, yeah. but a little bit of a mentor to you. Does he say, hey, but don't worry about it. You'll be able to match that, no problem. Or does he say, hey, man, you got to work hard to find the right songs and write the right songs to match this? I don't know that I've had that exact conversation with John. But because uh, we haven't we haven't actually talked about the next record yet, I don't even know if he's producing the next record. Um, but um, but knowing John, I you know John is a he has never changed. He still does today what he's always done, and it continues to work for him. And uh, I think John would say less about oh well we got to figure out how to evolve into something bigger and better i think john is is more of a guy that's like you do your thing and you keep doing it and it's going to work eventually uh as long as you work your freaking ass off and don't give up and don't be a little wuss ass you know um that's what i would think john would say um but uh but the the music I mean, you know, we, we're continuing to write songs. I would say, I, I mean, I've been writing songs for my next record. And you're not going to be like, oh, wow, this is different than what I expected from Dylan. <laughs> it's going to be, <laughs> you know, it's going to be the same, like it or not, it's going to be, it's going to be me. 
it's going to be like son of a, it's going to be son of a version two. And my, my next album after that son of a version three, because son of a is the first time I actually captured. I had the leverage. I had been around long enough to where I had enough say in, and I knew I'd, I had enough experience to know who I am and have enough say to go, this song is me or this song is not me or this production is me or this production's not me. And, uh, and I think that, uh, I think we nailed it with son of a, and we're going to keep doing that thing. And then every now and then a sawing logs type thing might come along. That's, uh, just really strikes a chord with me. Something I've never done before that I want to try out, but, uh, it's still going to be country and it's still going to be, um, it's still not going to be outside of what I believe in. Some people might hear you talk, and you even said it a couple minutes ago, Dylan Carmichael, that, man, I'm just laid back. You know, I like to be laid back. I'll hang out. I just want to hang. As, as... But there's this certain mystique that happens when you get on stage. You, I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's a character, and I'm not saying it's not you, but it's not laid back. Um, yeah. What are your influences live? You mentioned Metallica. James Hetfield never moved off the mic. He stood there with feet spread apart. Somebody like yeah. Axl Rose or Freddie Mercury ran around. You move around. You yeah. you you pick up the mic stand, which is so badass. Your yeah. your uncle Eddie was famous for that. Remember, he used to well, spin that mic your stand. Answer. There's your <laughs> so answer. Is that your influence right there? Is Uncle well, Eddie? I, I think yes and no. Um, I think that my influence is uh, I share with Uncle Eddie, which is Ronnie Van Zant. Ooh, Skinner. Okay. Yeah. I'm, we're big Skinner people. I'm a big fan of Skinner. Uh, Ronnie carry that microphone around barefoot. He wouldn't even have socks on. Um, and, uh, but I, I think that, um, the, what, what influences that more than anything is the rock part of when I was younger, I like a rock show. So I like a show to be energetic visually, uh, what you're seeing energetic what you're hearing energetic uh so that's uh, a big part of my show but i would say like i mean first time i saw montgomery gentry live not the first but one of the first i was like man that's awesome you know it's just fun it's fun to watch somebody get on stage act like a freaking idiot and sing songs in your face all night. I mean, maybe that's just me, but that's all, that's all I know is, is how I feel about it. And I feel like, but it, the reason I'm, I mean, I am a laid back person, but, uh, in general, but, uh, but that's an outlet for me. That's, that's all the, the stuff that builds up all the, the tension that builds up during the week or like when I'm doing, other stuff besides being on stage, I get on stage and that's when I let it out. And then sometimes I'm on stage too much and I come home and I just want to chill and, uh, and I'm quiet and I'm laid back and, uh, I drink my coffee and I watch my TV or I might uh, sit down and write a song. And I, you would be like the guy on stage and the guy on Tuesday that's chilling on his couch, like writing a song is two completely different people. And, um, that's just the way it is for me. That's my, that's how I am. And it is like a sweet, and it is like a character too. Um, you know, I know my job when I go up there and my job is to, um, uh, take these people away from their daily 
their daily stuff um, that they have to deal with. Their stressful stuff that have, they have to deal with during the week or whatever. They come on the weekend and they're there to have a good time, and I'm going to give them a gosh damn good time. The last thing they want to see is a uh, somebody standing there like a stick in the mud, being uh, you know Moby or not, Mo, but uh, Mopey or moping around the stage. Now I'll say that, but also don't want to insult anyone. There are a handful and these people are even more special, um, that can pull that off. But, uh, but I'm not one of them. I like used the king, to be the that king, way. The, ki- the king of country never moves. Nope. But George never moves, but you don't, you don't go not. there to see George move. You go <laughs> yeah. there, you go there to hear those songs. Yeah. And he's got exactly. those songs. Yep. So, can you give us any insight on let's say a crystal ball of the next year of Dylan Carmichael's career? Because I know that you have meetings. I know that you're in management meetings and you're in strategy meetings and you're in publicist meetings and you're in label meetings and you're in publishing and you got all these co-writes going on and you got all this opportunity and by God, you're opening for Brooks and Dunn. And I, um, is there something that you can let out of the bag of where you think is what we, we could expect to maybe see a little bit happening pretty soon. Yeah. So, uh, my song son of a is my current radio single and it's climbing slowly, but surely up right up country radio. It's, I think it's somewhere in the forties right now. I think in the next couple of weeks, we're going to see a break through the top 40. Um, and then after that, it's going to just continue to climb all, you know, fingers crossed. Uh, a lot of that's luck. A lot of that's how you've treated people in the past. Um, a lot of that is uh, uh, how the fans react to it and so on and so forth. Um, as far as touring goes, we're in meetings talking about, well, we do good in these regions. What are some regions and markets that we need to hit um, or social media uh, what can we do to stay relevant there, which is um, the, the hardest part for me. Um, and, uh, a crystal ball would say like, at some point I want to have like a really abnormally large, uh, TikTok or something moment, because it's just, I mean, let's face it. It's just so it's relevant right now. It's just, that's, that's the world we're in. Um, I want to have, um, at least 10 markets across the United States. My prediction is it's going to be the South, Northeast, Midwest, and Southwest, um, as opposed to the West Coast. But 10 markets that are maybe, maybe the West Coast, actually. You know, I don't know that for a fact. Um, 10 markets that are really big where we can go to this market and we can sell. 5,000, 10,000 tickets, and then this other market and go sell 5,000, 10,000 tickets. Um, Start working on this next record. Um, Like I said, it's going to be another record that's me. It's going to be me. Um, I I want it to be, I want people to freak out over it, but it's like, son of a is is me this next record is going to be me it's not you're not going to hear like some sort of crazy in infused edm pop country rock hip-hop whatever it's going to be exactly what son of a is it's going to be 90s and early 2000s country but it's going to be it's going to be me singing it um 
and and then um what else is to look forward to um a wedding do you have a wedding married in october yeah that's what i was about to say i'll be a married man before i release my next album congratulations we're going to costa rica for a honeymoon you're gonna fish she's gonna lay on the beach <laughs> that's <laughs> I'm right just you, i'm just giving you some ideas bud yeah, I don't want to hang out with her on our honeymoon at all. <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure you do. Well, sure you, you got a lot of going on, and it's going to be awesome to see when it – I mean, I don't know, like, what is the definition of breaking? When do you know you've broke? Do they teach you that in Nashville? Man, I think, I think that there probably is some sort of I, – I just try not to focus on it. Cause it just, it just gives you a, a cap. Why would you put a cap on this thing, man? I mean, it's just I, my personality though. Somebody I don't else. know. I don't know. But like there's got, they, they say, well, we're trying to break an artist. Like, does that mean that you put an album out? Does that mean that you can sell 5,000 tickets a night? Like what does a broke artist mean? The broke art, that didn't sound yeah. right. A broke artist means you yeah. probably, you probably need to find another job, but you know what I mean? Like what is, what is, when do you know that the artist is broke? Um, well, it's still, um, it's still radio, I think, but it's also streaming, um, equally streaming, equally social media in today's time, having a hit on the radio, um, I think is, is the thing that goes having a number one at radio is, is a life changing thing. Um, having a viral, like super viral TikTok moment could be the start of what's going to become a life changing thing. You can get a record deal from it. You can gain a lot of fans from it and go on tour. And now these people, all these people are buying tickets to show up and hear one song or to watch you do one thing. Um, but, uh, and then streaming is, uh, I don't think you break with streaming as much. I mean, you can, but I think streaming's a, a slow grow. It's like, um, it's not as explosive, but it's, it's equally as important. I think the I think what all artists, whether they realize it or not, they're going to find out that touring is the is the piece of the puzzle that's going to actually mean the most to them at the end of the day because that's that's how artists make money and that's how artists keep fans um, hanging around. That's how they keep forever fans. I mean, like Brooks and Dunn, I guarantee that um, they've toured pretty much forever because they know that that's how they keep forever fans is they, they show up and they play these songs live for them songs that the fans initially discovered them probably through radio. I guarantee through radio. Um, but now streaming plays a big role in that. And uh, so to answer your question, an explosive radio moment, a number one song breaks an artist, uh, a number two, three, four, five song can also be considered breaking an artist. Um, or a moment where social media and streaming line up, like you have a very super viral TikTok moment and you go to look at your Spotify numbers and suddenly you have 50 million, a hundred million, 150 million streams. You broke, you, you broke. So that, there's now two ways to do it. 
Um, there is something to be said though, about what you said about forever fans and the touring part and the mechanism of touring Dylan Carmichael, because I know I could probably name five and I'm not going to artists off the top of my head that have multiple number ones at country radio that Mm. can't sell 1500 tickets. So there's, there's something to be said about that too. And I don't, I don't know if I've studied that enough of why that is. I don't, there's, there's something there though, because I know that I've heard of it and I've seen it personally of like, wow, man, they're, they're playing a 1200 seat theater. They didn't even sell it out and they got nine number ones. So I don't, I don't know what that means to the, to the whole overall conglomerate of country music success, but there's something to be said there, right? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's, um, two, a couple things. One of them is, um, being a fan of a song and being a fan of an artist. Uh, when you, when a song is being played over and over on radio, people become a fan of the song. Uh, and sometimes not the artist that's singing the song. And, uh, what happens there is they'll have a show and they'll say, Hey, um, uh, John Doe is playing at whatever theater in whatever city. And people won't know who John Doe is. They don't realize that John Doe is the guy that sings the song that they love on the radio. So sometimes the radio will advertise and play a little snippet of the song when they're advertising the tickets for the show and stuff that helps. But I think overall I'll use co as an example. I see that guy everywhere. I'm not saying co music's not good. It is great. He's a great songwriter. Uh, he's got a good voice and a great band. Um, but his image, his tats, his man bun with his hat and his don't give a shit attitude. And then his rock music and the way he acts on stage. Some nights he might, you never know if you're going to get drunk coets on stage or not. (laughs) People have gravitated towards this artist. They love this artist. And that's the kind of career that sells lots of tickets when they love the artist as opposed to having one song that the radio has played over and over and over and over again, that's what changes the dynamic of ticket sales. So you got to just find that happy medium because radio, um, that all said radio also can, like I said, break an artist and make an artist, uh, give an artist an opportunity to take this flood of, of attention, and turn it in the, your first number one is your chance to take all this attention and turn it into something that's going to be a lifetime career. It's this tool that you now have in your, uh, you know, in your belt, or sometimes they're like, Oh shit, I just made $300,000. I'm going to buy a four wheeler. I'm going to buy a new truck. I think I might buy me and my lady a house. Um, and then, uh, you know, I might have another one, but right now I've got a quarter of a million dollars sitting in the bank. So I ain't really too much worried about it. Yeah. Some people, I would, th- I would think Eric church is this guy that goes, okay, I had, I had a number one. Um, I've got, I just got paid $300,000. How am I going to take my time and this $300,000 and all the connections and tools that I now have from this number one song and get another one? and another one and another one and then use that to reach out in these other lanes and figure out how to take advantage of these other lanes to make sure touring streaming um charities and 
PR and public relations and, and, uh, and social media, all these other routes. Okay. Now I have all this attention. How can I take all these other routes, take advantage of those as well. Um, and, uh, that is what separates people that have long careers and people that have one hit wonders. It's very well said, very informative. It makes yeah. totals the, 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 the first part of your explanation was very dead on about the, the, the song and the artist and separating that. And, and, and then a co-Wetzel, a Cody Jinx maybe might fall into that deal of where he doesn't yeah. have any radio hits, but he developed this cult following. Um, yeah. You know, Eric church did that. A lot of people might not know it, but Eric had a pretty big cult following before he ever had a single on the radio. So what yeah. you're saying is that he did it that way to where he, he went out and played his songs he, and acquired he that. Mastered, he mastered both. Exactly. You mastered both of those things. So, so all of that said, where do you fall into that? We're going to end this. I don't, did you have your guitar today? I don't know. I always ask you to play one. I don't, I'm not going to put you on the spot if you don't have your guitar by you. Well, um, I've got one downstairs. I might have to run and grab it real quick. I'd love to play one for you. Oh, um, cool. Um, but just real quick before you run down and get it, Dylan yeah. Carmichael, do you, you kind of made it sound like that's kind of the entrepreneurial spirit of a, of a country music guys that you gotta, you gotta think like a businessman. This is, oh, this is, a, you are a brand and a business. You gotta yeah. have, you gotta treat this like a, a business and a uh, growing a brand. It's not just about having the talent to sing that song. There's a lot more that goes into having a long career as a country music artist. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it's a lot of hard work, you know, um, first off, you know, once you've had some success, you start getting spoiled too. You got people that are yes, man, all around you. People bring everything to you. It always makes me think of uh, like a cartoon character where you got like the, the big fat King and all the people are like waving the big leaves by them and like feeding them grapes and shit. When, once you get to that place, it becomes even more difficult to, um, to work hard and to take it to the next level. Cause you're like, I'm content. I'm good. I've got money. I've got all these fans. I've got, well, let me tell you, if you don't, if you don't appreciate those fans and you don't keep giving them what they fell in love with in the first place, they will go away. Makes total sense. You, got, you can't, you can't take them for granted. Nope. Can't take them for granted. That's why when Eric church did that thing with the North Carolina basketball game, I was like, Ooh, ooh, yeah. like, like, is this going to sting? And I don't think it did, but man, can you imagine like COVID hit concert canceled, something else come up concert canceled. Then all these yeah. people got all this airfare flying in there to see this show in San Antonio or wherever. And then he's like, Hey guys, the Tar Heels made it to the final four, the lead eight or yeah. whatever. Like, Hey, do your thing, be with your family. You got to do it. But I was like, Oh man, I don't know if these fans are going to take a liking to this one. I think the reason it didn't affect it is because like, yes, it was, it, it didn't surprise, I don't know about anybody else, but it didn't surprise me at all. I mean, he is literally a die freaking hard. Um, and, uh, and also he's had like 10 or 15 years of people loving Eric church people. He's never messed up, never dropped the ball. He made a political statement like a decade or maybe like six years ago that for a hot second was kind of touchy. And then I don't even remember what it was. It was, I was, after, thinking, it was after the Las Vegas shooting. Yeah. And I don't even, yeah, that's what it was. Um, and so that was kind of weird. And then he had this, I, th I think he's earned enough passes to get away with a couple of these things here. But, uh, but I also think it was pretty shitty. Like being as somebody that 
Uh, and I don't have near the tour schedule this guy has, but that's, you know, he's the one that booked his schedule. Um, so um, I would think that coming from where I come from, I would think that he came from a similar situation where you don't go back on your word, you know, yeah. if I commit to something. And, and also I won't, I won't tickle pe people's fancy either. I won't say I can do something if I can't do it. Right. I mean, I will, I will disappoint people. I will say, I'm sorry. I can't give you an answer right now. Um, probably not. Um, I'm busy right now, but I will say this. If I happen to have a spot open, um, we, we will do it, but I won't, uh, commit to anything. Uh, and let, well, look, I mean, I'm not here to, to say I'm any better. I mean, like I, you know, I'm, uh, it, it, it it's one of those situations where I think he gets a pass on this one for me anyway. Um, but we're watching you, Eric church. <laughs> I think Don't he's keep got letting a, us I, down, dude. Come I on. Think the, I think the thing about Church is that he will come back and give those Texas yeah. fans something bigger and better. A hundred percent. I would be. I would be more like disappointed by him not doing that than him initially going, being a huge fan of his hometown team and and he wanted to see the game, and he's probably not seen a freaking game in a a long time because the dude works harder than anybody else in country music. So that's why I say he gets a pass. I agree a hundred percent. I don't even know who won the title. Do you, yeah. I know you're a wildcats fan, right? Yeah. I don't know, man. I, after, after the cats lost, um, early on, <laughs> I kind of just, I was picking up pieces here and there, but I don't even remember at this point. I heard it, uh, who won, but I can't, I can't remember now. Maybe Kansas. Jack, who won the NCAA basketball title this year? Either way, it was an upset. I I don't know who won. Okay, I'm going to look that up. Do you want me to I'm pick the song? A do you want me to pick the song while you're gone, or do you have one in mind? Pick one. Okay. Kansas. Kansas won it. Dylan is getting his guitar. Hmm. I'm going to have to. I think I'm going to go with Saw and Logs. I don't know if he's going to be upset with me, ladies and gentlemen, if I um, don't pick one that's on the new album. But I think I wanted. Um, I'm going to have to ask him to do it. I can hear his guitar coming. Do you do, do oh, you yeah. consider do you consider yourself having two albums now that are out there for the people? Did the first one the first one wasn't on the current label, correct? Yeah. It was. Yeah, they all are. The first song I ever released was on the record label I'm on right now. Loyalty's a big part of this game. Yes, it is. And I, I love my record label. 
I've actually, I consider myself having three albums. Three albums because of the, because of the EP also. Yep. I put a lot of work into that EP. Well, that EP is genius, but a lot of those songs made the new album as well. No, I had an EP before that. Oh, another one. Where do I, what, what's called which I one do is, for you. I do for you. Yep. It had a song on it called, uh, I f- uh, feel that way again is one Chris Stapleton wrote. He wrote that, huh? Yep. Have you I worked with that. him? Do I? Have you worked with Stapleton? I've only met him once and I've never worked with him. I heard he's moving out of Nashville. Oh yeah. Where's he going? I heard Florida, but I don't know any mm. of this for sure. It could all be rumors. I doubt that. You doubt it? Yeah. I don't see that. I kind of want to hear Dancing Away with My Heart, but I think we need something a little upbeat, don't we? Whatever. It's up to you. Well, what do you think? You got to help me out on it. Long-haired country boy. The Charlie Daniels one? (laughs) Oh, that's... God, that's a classic. Um... (laughs) Okay, I'm going to say this. I want to hear, because Anna, you know, Anna and Tate are like your biggest fans, like I told you yesterday. Yeah. Do some dancing with your heart, with, with my heart, please, if you will. Okay. And then we'll end it with some of the song we talked about. It's Sawn Logs is not on the new album, but the new album is genius. Do you want me to pick one off the new album or does it matter? It doesn't matter. Okay, let's do Dance Away With My Heart for Ann and Tater a little bit, and then a little bit of Saw and Logs, if you don't mind. Is that cool, Dylan Carmine? Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Here we go.
that that song is so freaking country, man. Thanks, dude. So country. I, man, that seems like a lifetime ago when we recorded that song. But it was you only still, 2018. It was four so, years ago. Yeah. Beautiful. I sang I sang better this now than I did then, but I was a lot skinnier then. <laughs> so, so that's the secret to getting a big voice? <laughs> Get fat, no. <laughs> Uh, uh, working hard and keep doing it, you know. And four years later, you're better than you were four years ago. That's that's just your voice is amazing, man. You know it. That voice <laughs> is solid, boy. This song we're gonna go out on. This has been Dylan Carmichael. This life ain't for everybody. Brought to you again by the one and only Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, Jack Daniels, Lynchburg, Tennessee. Please enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. We truly appreciate Jack Daniels and everything they do for our brands it's truly amazing that we're partnered with jack daniels because they're so iconic the old number seven the single barrel the gentleman jack all the flavors the apple the tennessee fire the honey the sinatra the gold the two new ones are unbelievable the triple mash and the bonded check them out jack daniels thank you so much another awesome conversation with one of my favorite country artists out there today, Dylan Carmichael, his new album, Son of a Get It Now, on all of your streaming services, Apple Music, buy the vinyl. I love my signed vinyl. I can't wait to show you the new shadow box that's going in, but I'm waiting for one more thing to put in it. I'll talk to you about that off camera. It's going to include a a duck hunt somewhere. But this man's catalog is already so country. He's already mentioned he comes from country music royalty. He is a very, very, and I mean a very humble human being, but... Let's not get him. Let's not get him wrong. Let's not get Dylan Carmichael twisted as what I think the kids would say out of the urban dictionary these days. (laughs) This dude is a competitor. He's got fire in his eyes. He's got a work ethic and that's what he was put on earth to do is work. He's going to have a beautiful wife come October of 2022 after their wedding and their honeymoon. He's going to have to put food on the table. This man is a provider, a hunter, a fisher, a gatherer, a backyard aficionado, loves to grill out wild game, domestic meats, vegetables. The man does it all. So support music like this that truly is about America and what we were brought up on. It is not, in my opinion, I'm going to end it like this. This man is not manufactured music. This is passion straight from the heart country music so let's support dylan carmichael i want to see him be the best there is the biggest there is even though he says it might take lightning in the bottle i think we might just find that one day we're going to go out if he has any closing words please say so now but we are going to go out with dylan carmichael saw and logs i think this is one of the most clever i mean easily in the last 10 years i'm not going to go back further than that because i haven't researched it enough but this is some clever country music songwriting right here dylan carmichael song longs any last words song logs i apologize any last words my man man you're talking about jack daniels and it made me think of the 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 david allen coast song you ever heard uh jack daniels if you please knock me to my knees (laughs) you ever heard that uh, like uh I think it's my favorite of all time. If you go and search the Jack songs, I, I think most people say that the guy that we talked about earlier, Eric Church's Jack Daniels, kicked my oh, ass yeah. again Jack last night. Daniels kicked my ass again last night. That's a strong one. <laughs> That's a strong one. But David Allen Coe did that. Oh, my gosh. Like, 
there's there's some there's some cool there's some cool trivia with Jack Daniels. But thank you, Jack Daniels. Thank you all for listening to this episode of This Life Ain't for Everybody, which comes from the Losers Bar in Midtown Nashville, is where I got the name. Over ten years ago, we trademarked the name This Life Ain't for Everybody because I saw it on the wall at Losers in Midtown behind the band. And uh, it doesn't mean the same to me that it means to most of the people that see it on the walls, but that's what life's all about. Make up your own definition of what it means to you, your own analogy. Dylan Carmichael, thank you for being here, my brother. Hey, thanks for having me, Chad. Good to see you, buddy. Always good to see uh, you. Here's a sawing logs for you. I love it. Last glass of a boat of bar. She finished that one off. She looked at me, I thought, baby, I'll be right back. Ran down to the grocery store, yeah, to pick her up one more. Noticed right there by the door, that firewood rack. Well, for a few more bucks, I could really improve my luck. About to heat this cold night up. Into making all kinds of love, I got this hickory bundle. Saw in law.